0: So this morning... um If you are with us for the first time in the new year, you know that there's some adjustments that have been made in this space because from our Christmas Eve Vesper service until last Sunday, we have been worshiping in a round, which is a very different way of configuring ourselves. And so some of you might've walked in here thinking, oh my goodness, and some of you, well, you kind of missed the party uh, when we did things a little bit bit differently. And it may be um, our rhythm here at the Southeast Raleigh table that during certain seasons of the Christian year, we might actually reconfigure what our space looks like. Um, One of my dear colleagues oftentimes reminds me of this. We are habituated by space. I want you to think about that. You know, um, if you go to a party and people sit at a head table, and then the rest of us, you know, We're habituated by space. Where we sit, where we move, sometimes says something about what people think about who we are. And there's a beauty about the round because you're always looking at the face of one who's also been made in um, the image and the likeness of God. No one is really all the way in the back or all the way in the front. We get to share in a circle of knowing one another as Um, as um, siblings and as community together. So I wanted to just share that um, all of the configurations that we have speak to an ethic and a theology that we have here um, at the Southeast Raleigh table. This morning, I'm going to preach from um, a passage of scripture that I don't know that we have ever explored together as a church community, and from a book of the Bible that I don't ever think that we have explored together from um, this church community. This uh, passage that I'm going to read from comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, I'm going to ask one of the beautiful individuals who um, is in Bible 101, can anyone just tell me what type of book is 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel it's in what category of books? Okay, we'll we'll come back to that. Okay. We'll we're going to we'll read, we'll talk about this on Wednesday. First Samuel is what we call one of the historical books. The historical books are the kingdoms, uh-huh, huh oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say that, I was going to say that, I was going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I totally get it. Anyway, it's one of the historical books, or, or um, they call it the historical books and the kingdoms. So basically it talks about all the different kingdoms, different kings um, that ruled over um, God's, God's people. In um, the first, uh, first Samuel and also second Samuel, there are lots of stories and lots of drama. So if you're a person who, you know, is like maybe putting away, not watching The Bachelor or, you know, love at first sight, just read first Samuel. I mean, you'll be more than entertained. A whole lot goes on um, in those books. Uh, and in this book, uh, we're going to meet... Uh, a young person by the name of Samuel, and then um, the priest um, in, the, in the house of the Lord named Eli. But you need to know that Samuel, Samuel's mother, Hannah, is prominent um, in Scripture, especially as we think about our prayer lives. Um, Hannah had been what is known as barren in Scripture, and because of that, um, m- many individuals would mock Hannah. And so Hannah felt just this deep sadness that folks were making a, a pain point in her life um, like her fault, and Hannah has this moment where she goes and she she is begging God in the house of the Lord because she wants to bear a child, and she is praying so hard that the temple priest thinks that Hannah must be drunk. Um, and I don't know if any of you have ever had a situation in your life when you've wanted something so much that the way your prayer felt was like bargaining, like you 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 it was part tears and part groaning and part words and part your heart just saying whatever your heart needs to say. But Hannah was in such a place um, that the, the temple priest sees her and then says to her, realizing that, that she's not drunk, um, that this is a person who's trying to move heaven and earth for a deep desire. And Eli says to Hannah, Hannah, you know, you, you will, you'll bear a son. This thing that you, that you are hoping for will happen for you. And Hannah um, cries back out to the Lord and says, you know what, for you offering me this gift, I'm going to offer my son uh, back to you. And so Samuel, her son, um, becomes kind of a, an attendant in the house of the Lord. It's so like an understudy with Eli in, um, in the temple. And so Samuel ministered alongside, alongside Eli. This will make what I'm about to say make a lot more sense now that you have the arc of Samuel's story about his mother and then also to why he happens to be in the house of the Lord in the evening. Hear now these words from 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with the first through the 10th verse, and then I'm going to take a small break, give you some more information, and then share the last um, verses 11 through 14. The scripture tells us, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. Now, this um, inability to see is not just physical. Um, It's also a spiritual inability to see. So uh, he was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if God calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now in verses 11 through 14, God um, gives Samuel a word, and it's a fairly harsh word about some things um, that, uh, that were happening in Eli's life. You need to know that Eli, um, the, the latter part of his ministry in the temple, um, his son's started acting a mess and causing a lot of problems. And um, Eli did not snatch them up and allow them to keep doing the things that they were doing. And so um, in many ways, you know, uh, God is going to offer kind of a harsh word uh, to Eli in this moment, but I don't want you to think it's coming out of nowhere. There's actual context as to why um, this word comes. So then in verse 11, it says, then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, for I have told him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Mm. (laughs) Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, thanks be to God. (laughs) Samuel, Samuel, being called in the middle of the night. Among my father's brothers, all of their firstborn daughters have the same name. Nashome, we're named in a particular way. And um, it's just the tradition in our particular tribe that we are from that we have um, that we have this designation for the firstborn girls. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to be with my cousins and to know that we are all marked in a particular way. It's a beautiful thing for them to say their names and for people to know who are a part of our particular community and. Um, and culture, that we are the firstborn firstborn girls and our families. But at one point in middle school, at any given time when we were together, there would be four Nashames under one house. And this um, beautiful marker of all of us having the same name also became a very confusing thing while my grandmother was alive. Because if my grandmother was also alive up under that house when the four Nashames were also up under the house, she preferred... Oftentimes, to call us not by our first, like English or given names or Ghanaian first names, but to call us by that name Nashame, which means that my grandmother might be in another room and in a very grandmotherly way start screaming, Nashame. And then the four of us would look at each other and then we would scream back, Grandma, which one? <laughs> and then she might say, "Ah, oh, Rita Nashame, she's older than me. Or she might say, Lisa Nashame, I am next. Or she might say, Erica Nashame, the one who is after me. Or she might say, Comfort Nashme, the one who is the youngest of our, of our cousin set. We had to ask my grandmother to clarify. Which Nashame." There is clarity, though, when God calls. <laughs> and the voice of God is very clear in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Four times Samuel is stirred up in the middle of the night. And I want you to know, it is not a throwaway point that when God calls Samuel, more often than not, at least in the recording in 1 Samuel chapter three, Samuel is called twice. Not just Samuel, but Samuel, Samuel. And this particular pattern that we find in the Old Testament says something about a particularity. Yes, Samuel, yes, you, Samuel. Moses, yes, you, Moses. Isaiah, yes, you, Isaiah. First time, Samuel, Samuel. Second time, Samuel. Third time, we don't know if God said Samuel once or 51 times, but on the fourth time, Samuel, Samuel. When Moses is called by God, We see, again, this pattern of clarity about who God is calling. Moses, Moses. Moses turns and then sees God's voice that is coming out from this bush that is ablaze. This pattern speaks to a sense of clarity like, I I am trying to get your attention. But it also speaks to purpose. Samuel, I'm not just bellowing out from the heavens or speaking with a still small voice or stirring something up or whispering your name just to be whispering your name. But I am calling you, and I'm calling you multiple times because I want you to also know that there is a purpose attached to my calling. So my being persistent, think about this. Samuel, Samuel, you didn't get up. Samuel, Samuel, didn't get up. Samuel, Samuel, you know me? Lisa would have been like, well, let me call Margaret. (laughs) No. Because there is something that Samuel, Samuel, is going to be called to do that someone else might not be called to do. For Moses, 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 Moses was called to be an agent of liberation for God's people. Samuel, Samuel, even though we don't know what the end of this story looks like, is going to be called to be an agent of anointing because Samuel is going to end up being a part of the story of the youngest of Jesse's sons who we come to know as King David and the most beautiful songwriter as he wrote and put together many of the psalms in that songbook who would then be named in the lineage of Jesus. And in the middle of the night... When Samuel is so confused about this voice, Samuel didn't know in that moment, Samuel, Samuel, oh, I am calling you, not just over and over again so that you can hear my voice, but I'm calling you because there's something specific that I want you, who will be an agent of anointing, to do. God is so clear speaking to Samuel. But the part of the story that we can't gloss over is that while God is doing all of this calling in the middle of the night, while um, God is calling Samuel by uh, Samuel's government name, that's what we say when you call somebody by the whole name, Samuel could not perceive God's voice. It says in this uh, passage of Scripture that uh, that that the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. Basically, Samuel had not used the muscles of discerning to know God's voice. And we have all been there before. Or or maybe that's hyperbole for me to say, we've all been there before. But when we say things in like these Christian circles of like listening to the voice of God, and have you heard the voice of God? And what is God saying to you? It's kind of like, I, what does God, is God auto-tune? Like how does God sound? How will I know that this is a particularly God who is speaking to me? Let's just say, It's not that Samuel has done anything wrong, but Samuel just simply is learning this beautiful gift of discernment. Of being able to notice when there's something supernatural about the voice of God. So, um, because Samuel had not yet used that muscle of learning how to discern God's voice... While God um, is very, very clear, Samuel is confused. Because three times when Samuel gets up, who does Samuel go to? Eli. Okay, great. We're, We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. First time God calls, Samuel goes to Eli. Second time God calls, Samuel goes to Eli. Third time God calls, Samuel goes to Eli. Eli senses this is another voice you need to be listening to. Fourth time, God calls, Samuel responds to God. While God might be clear, the beautiful grace of community and having people in our lives who love us and care about us, who sometimes know the arc of our stories and are cheering for the arc of our stories, who are able to dream for us even when everything is not clear in the beginning, but they can, they can sense that maybe something beautiful and powerful and majestic is going to happen, is that um, there are people in our lives who, when we miss when God is calling, can speak to us that maybe it is something greater than just human voices or gifts assessments, or evaluations that say something about you, maybe God is trying to get your attention, not just simply to say your name, but because you're being called to do something beautiful and purposeful. While a call, and, and I want you to know this, you know, people always ask me, well, tell me your call story. They just assume that because I'm a minister that I have a call story. I want to say something to you, friends. Please, like, do not miss this. You have a call story, too. You have a call story, too. You have been called into things. Sometimes you're called into seasons of healing. Then your story becomes, I'm the one who has been called to live into healing. Some of us have been called to love. Some of us have been called to like shed old ways. Some of us have been called to lean into things. Some of us have been called out of some things. Um, We have calls over our lives. Like, what have you been called to? Some of us have been called out of wilderness. Some of us are snacking on figs um, and milk and honey. We've been called into promised land living. We don't want to eat uh, milk and honey. I mean, excuse me, manna and water in the wilderness forever. I mean, we are called into things. It's invitations from God. the calls. on our They're purposeful. I would say an invitation into healing is purposeful. If you're a reflection of wholeness in the world, that is purposeful. And maybe I'll get a little specific too. Some of you are in jobs. I don't, I, I, I really have felt like in reading this passage of scripture, I need to say this. Some of you are in jobs and you know this is not where you're called to be. It feels very risky for me to say this, Because calls by God um, lean into vocation, okay? Like it's always purposeful. It's, it lives at the intersection of something that God is like doing and, and that you're also going to conspire and do. I'm not saying ministry. We have to have these people around us. Sometimes when we cannot hear the voice of God clearly, or we don't know how to discern the voice of God clearly, or we're like not quite sure we want to trust that voice that is calling clearly, there might be people in your community. That person who is always telling you, gosh, you make such beautiful brisket. Have you ever thought about? Cole Arthur Riley, who is the author of This Here Flesh and um, her soon-to-be-released book, Black Liturgies, wrote recently, never discern your calling in a vacuum. Our imaginations are resurrected in community. Our purpose remembered together. When Samuel went back that third time, Samuel had to trust that maybe Eli could hear and see something that Samuel could not. This might be a moment in the beginning of this year to take stock of the people who are helping you to hear and to see and to sense and to experience some things that God might be doing, calling you into or calling you out of, and maybe you're just like, did they say Lisa or Lisa? (laughs) And while I know that there are some people that you have to turn down the volume of their voices because they want you to live into their dreams for you, that may not have anything to be aligned with God's dream for you. There are other individuals who when they speak to you, it's because maybe they have experienced what it is to lean into the still small voice of God and to sense and to see that God might also be calling you in to something beautiful as well. God calls us by name and we are gods. And as you are still in the beginning of this new year, listening, listening for the postures, for the words, for the intentions, for the commitments. Also listen to God's voice for the calls. And maybe just be risk-taking enough that if you have struggled sometimes wondering, who are the people you can trust to say, what do you think? God might be whispering. Sometimes for some of us, God might be screaming to me. I've not been able to stop thinking about something with Eli. You know, Eli was becoming a liability. That, that, that first part about Eli's... Um, Eyes being dim, like I said, it's not simply about uh, Eli um, physically not being able to see something, but also spiritually getting to a place where maybe he had just kind of outlived his tenure in the temple. And so things were really beginning to go awry. And yet the grace is that God still operated in Eli's life, that Eli could come alongside a Samuel, which means that speaking to the Eli's in the room, because I, when I used to listen, read this passage, always thought for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a Samuel. 20 years into it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm more of an Eli than I am a Samuel. And sometimes we need to also hear that we're not going to always get it right. Sometimes we're going to wonder, do I know what I'm doing anymore? And yet God can still work in us and through us so sometimes you're going to be an Eli a liability who can help somebody else discern their call and sometimes you're going to be a Samuel not quite sure but trusting in the people and community to help clarify the call and I pray to God in your lifetime you will be both may it be so in the name of the one who creates redeems, and sustains. Amen.